an energy spike. Hold on! Launch. Bombing the Narn back to the Stone Age wasn't enough for you? Then we heard it. The sound of something terrible being born. This is madness! Station 3 to Commander Ivanova. Centauri have launched a full-scale assault. Time is coming down! It's our turn now! Two million tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. A world where empires rise and fall. Where dreams are born and die. Where war and hatred are challenged by love and faith. In the third age of mankind, an age plagued by an evil empire that seeks to destroy humanity. It is our last, best hope for peace, for victory, for freedom. It is Babylon 5. Babylon 5, coming exclusively to TNT, January 4th. to season free season free just shows how you got a xenophobic earth government and uh, after hearing more troubling news and sheridan kind of realizing that the cake is a lie he's kind of made everybody be kind of loyal to him even more so and he's really becoming closer to delin the human looking alien he's it's a conspiracy of lights so to speak just showing that you know there there's some other foul play earth is playing games with them, and it's at war with the Mars colony. Yes, that's right. People live on Mars, and there's a colony there. Speak, he basically uh, just has a bunch of other stuff going on. He's just like, okay, these shadows, these things do exist. Show definitely, by this time, they are going to town in the whole prophecy. You know, it it was originally conceived, the show, as a answer to Lord of the Rings, and this was years before the movie adaptations, but it definitely goes full-blown the most here. The precursor to the initial battle. Yeah, he's just finding just so many just lies and distortions. And there's a few other episodes here, too, where it's like, you didn't need that. That didn't really go anywhere or expand the story, but it was entertaining, I guess, on its own merit. Uh, at this point, Sheridan's like, I'm actually the president. You know, the station is all divided. We have all these other bureaucrats coming on here, kind of taking it over for a day. I'm going to kick them off the station and keep other stuff secret from the database. We see Vester, you know, Koenig's, uh, you know, Psychor character return. And it's interesting how he kind of, they're coming up with different ways using Lita's technology to, you know, uh, telepath technology to kind of, because she's a former, you know, ex-member of the Psychor, and uh, to basically block the mind reading, the brain scanning activity. You know? yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what's more interesting to it here it really does make him way more likable and uh Gerbaldi is kind of becoming his own thing he's really trying to you know get a love life instead of just you know be restricted and be the angry drunk at the bar after a entire day's work what's your general thoughts on how the whole thing flows 
I, I knew this was that one. I think I enjoyed every up until well, season two through four. I enjoyed each one more than the previous one. So yeah, just just ramping it up and everything's getting ramped up and getting like <laughs> everything's getting serious now. <laughs> if, oh, it wasn't, yeah. if it wasn't before, <laughs> I really enjoyed the uh, episode with uh, I really enjoyed seeing Major Barrett on. I think this was the season she was in. Yeah. Um, Who would have thought? I mean. Apparently the rivalry was just between the fans. I guess I don't know. I think the actors didn't really care much. There's like a um thing coming up where two of Deep Space Nine actors are going to be there, and the lady that plays Lita Alexander is going to be there. And it's being hosted by a group that does Babylon Five stuff. And oh, Patricia yeah. Tolman. And yeah, but Tolman just so anyone filling everyone in the loop, she was better known for being in the Night of the Living Dead remake as well as. Uh, uh, George Romero's uh, Night Riders, so she kind of already had the action horror fan base there, and she mentioned in her book, which you can find on the Memory Alpha Star Trek Wicca, uh, she talks about how she met Adam Nimoy, you know Leonard Nimoy's son, and how uh, that and Mike Vijar, a lot of the crew of the Star Trek shows actually liked working on the B five crews. They had no problem and they loved it when they came over here they're like we love you on that show can you come on over here and guest on ours so like you say i think it was just between the owners the whole rivalry and straczynski being mad because you know they took a lot of his ideas just and kind of claimed it as their own that was the whole bad blood but so often they have yeah mike vijar a longtime tv director and editor you know going to both sets but yeah tallman was especially loved nomoy however did not like her because he was just one of those old school guys. He thought everyone, whatever area they're in, they should stay in. I'm like, that's not fair. You know, she's both acting and a stunt person. So, yeah. but uh, she doubled virtually every other Star Trek actress. And the every, especially the DS9 gals, they loved her so much. They're like, such a sweetheart, so funny. We want her to get the residuals for doing the stunt work. So we're going to, at first, they start trying to do most of their own stunts, and they're like, yeah, no, we, we want you. <laughs> it's what you're here to pay. So we're, we're going to let you handle all the falling on her face, you know, out of a chair every episode. <laughs> she played so many, you know, guest star roles on Next Generation DS9, you know, so it, it was all in good faith. I mean, and to see her on here doing a lot of the same stuff in between, you know, stunt work for other blockbusters like uh, California, which... If I'm not mistaken, uh, when I last watched that, I think she plays one of the deputies who gets sh shot at by evil Brad Pitt. And uh, she's credited for stunts for uh, speed, but I have no idea who she could have been, you know. Oh. One of the people in the elevator at the beginning, I guess. <laughs> It'd be ironic if she's the gal who goes, you know, my shoe, it's missing. <laughs> that would have been funny. Because <laughs> that's a key. She, but yeah, she's doing all this shows and then occasionally appearing in stunt acting roles like the first Austin powers and so yeah um you know, she gets a way ton more focus you definitely understand her better she doesn't feel like just at first you don't really see her really as a i think that's what's beautiful about it is because uh talia winters just kind of just so disappeared and they took a while to introduce lita i i think i never really saw her as a replacement i know some did and she basically was but she just was so different to where it's like okay I can get behind her. Oh, uh, yeah, that's another groundbreaking, <laughs> the whole yeah. Talia uh, Ivanova storyline, which was very subtle. They couldn't be as overt about it as they wanted to, but just having a lesbian storyline, a lesbian couple 
on a show in the nineties was a big deal. And it, and it happened so fast that, you know, you miss it at first and then it just was only caught on and rewatched. Yeah. I didn't, this season had the, uh, Dr. Franklin stem addiction storyline, which I'm not a fan of. <laughs> um, it was just too, you mean, you see that kind of stuff in a lot of shows. I think even Battlestar Galactica had a STEM addiction storyline. Maybe they copy from the show. I don't know. No, yeah. no, that's fair. I mean, when it's first introduced, I was kind of like, I, I didn't even catch on to it at first, but I wasn't really liking it. I think I just liked it better when he just is actually kicking it because it was the dramatic payoff was cool. But like you say, the buildup is like, what? That doesn't seem like him. Yeah. <laughs> I get that where he was going with it. I think he was just so overwhelmed writing. I mean, what can you say? He's writing all the subplots that he doesn't really balance them all. Well, he could have, he could have introduced all the other problems and saved them for season five. <laughs> Maybe it would have been a better season. I don't know. I do still find him kind of thrilling though. Cause he's still doing a lot of his just save the people on the station. I, I don't know. I just, that's how I like a doctor character, not a arrogant, you know, control freak especially when he's kind of finding that some of the doctors are may or may not be, you know, doing stuff the right way. And I think there's a, there's not a virus outbreak episode, but there, he, he does have to, in many ways, kind of make sure that uh, Sheridan and Garibaldi, you know, are separated from whatever entities have been taking him over. So he always becomes that go-to kind of guy. Yeah. There was an episode in season one that was very shocking. I remember watching that and like, oh, I can't believe. It's the believe. third episode. Yeah, yeah I can't believe that Ashley did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, even Star Trek didn't dare to get that dark where basically he has to help a bunch of aliens. And uh, because he used his science and they're of the prophetic religious, you know, they must kill their child because it's been interfered with science. It's no longer deemed natural by their standards. And he's like, but I was trying to save the kid. It would have died had I not helped. And it's like, I basically signed its death warrant because, you know, I should have just adopted it, but you know, who would have known? So it, yeah. it is so tragic. And even uh, recent shows like the Orville in a way have kind of taken similar elements like that kind of a little deeper, like, uh, yeah, if I leave the kid on the planet, is it the same as an abortion? Is it the same as a, you know, uh, orphaning them? It's just stuff you cannot talk about with where our political climate is today, unless it's sci-fi. So yeah, season three really does flow well for me, and just it's the first one to really use a huge, huge cliffhanger, like a big giant two-parter, and just he finds out the truth about his deceased wife, and uh, it kind of does play into a lot of nanite kind of stuff, just. They have this one very good veteran actor who did a lot of voices and was on uh, Sunset, like Avenue 777 or something. One of those awesome noirs, noirish uh, detective shows from the 70s and 60s. I, I really do like how you get a more hinting at Mars and uh, Jakar is kind of tortured and interrogated a bit. You know, so moving on to season four. Hey, look. Got an energy spike. Hey, All fighter squadrons launched. Babylon 5 is supposed to save our future. It starts more trouble than it stops. It's a time bomb. Private little wars break out every day. It's my job to stop them. If I don't, those wars won't be little for long. Draw the line between law and order. Watch Commander Ivanova on Babylon 5. Weekdays at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on TNT. Season 4, finally fleshing out all of the Mars stuff, you know, 
crooked Earth government has been against it for so long. And by this time, you know, B5 is its own thing. They are separated. They occasionally have some guys come in and say, you know, read them basically a constitution saying you are violating this is, you know, we are going to make you a target. And he's of course having to keep all his other findings. Sheridan's having to keep all his other findings secret. Cause he knows that eventually in many ways, you know, they're going to deem him unfit, but that's why he had to separate it. Cause he's just like, you're, you're going to just try and take us down, deem us unfit. I don't need to have any more mutinies to deal with. Cause I've already had to do some of that before. <laughs> Yeah. seeing how there's been so many other excellent battles in many ways even just awesome speeches you know, each time they prince for battle I'm telling you it is epic <laughs> now there's one by Delenn that I still quote sometimes really um, yeah the God sent me quote no that's Ivanova sorry <laughs> that's what I meant to say about but Delenn has some really good speeches on the show as well yeah uh, she has some speeches, but like Jakar, I, I, I kid you not, I want to march into battle with him and <laughs> go apeshit. Yeah. Delenn's basically like, don't mess with me because I'm a badass. Like, you're making a mistake by even being here. And that's what's just so wild is this is like he's, in many ways, he's, it's so weird how it goes because they're just amping it up. Is like, everybody's got to speak for their own voice at this point because they're all in this together. We can't have just a bunch of different voices just all getting into mindless battles. <laughs> and I mean, they are having to put in some serious thought into how the battles are animated and everything. And I do have to say, everyone will often just kind of gawk at some of the establishing shots, but when they actually go into the battles, I still think they are pretty epic and it helps that they're intercut with all the, you know, tracking around the corridors you really don't they didn't want to ape all of Star Trek, so they don't have a lot of the in fact I can't even remember a single episode where they do they kind of go for more just Roger Corman, just kind of st uh low budget, you know, full moon entertainment, puppet master type shots where they got you know, they start out with just darker lighting and grim music and intense close up of an actor and then just stretch it out to, you know, uh, full tracking around for all the intense stuff. That's where they save it, and so that's where it works well, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talked cool. about the music on the show. Christopher Frank is yeah, awesome. Yeah, Dream. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely the most intense here in these scores. And, I mean, he's definitely one of the few composers where it's like every single score he used is available on every soundtrack. I definitely dig a lot of the battle themes because they do it in a way where it doesn't feel over dramatic and... I got to say the Mimbari ships, how they're designed are really cool. Um, yeah. Especially their bridges, how many people actually, oh, they're operating this all with their minds. Mm, okay. And then later on, we see some of the um, other aliens, like the first ones, the uh, really yeah. ancient aliens. Some of those are pretty, it's pretty neat as well. Yeah. And they really went for it because they, it's like, we got to create our own mythology. And it was fortunately they created it all from the get go. So they don't, uh, you know, they don't wait for everyone to approve. And it's like, this is our world. You can take it or leave it. I think season four really appeals to me because it's, it's this is where it definitely becomes parts of free, maybe parts of two were kind of a spy show, but it's really a spy show by season four is, <laughs> you know, uh, they're sending a bunch of people to do ground assaults of Mars and Garibaldi's having to help them after finding out that much like Sheridan, he was kidnapped and taken over at some point. 
And uh, there's some other shocking stuff for Londo and Jakar as they go on. But Jakar is definitely kind of interesting because he's basically uh, this is before he has to basically write his whole Bible for his people. But he's having to do one last giant, you know, run, just go around and uh, try and resolve some other piece in some other areas and go on his own merry way. And it's interesting how he becomes kind of a blind, not a blind, a minor mentor as well as kind of a bodyguard to Lita. He's like, you can stay with me. I'll look over you, you know? And so that's like, okay, that's cool. Didn't really yeah. see it. It's really only in season five that it's more fleshed out. But yeah, at this point you're seeing, you pretty much see as much of the station as you do of all the conflicts you care about. And uh, Sheridan gets interrogated. It's very, you know, this is before every other interrogation room seen in a show or a movie had to, you know, be very gruesome. It's like, no, it's, very intense and disturbing without you know even showing anything <laughs> yeah and yeah, intersections in real time yeah and it was kind of done in real time or it was you know presented in real time yeah um very true it's definitely like a 24 interrogation minus the <laughs> shouting and minus the big ticking clock um ticking clock or <laughs> ncis minus the gibbs head slap and <laughs> one of the comedic counterparts just saying something witty while still in grilling them the final battle is really good because it really does move the story forward and i think so many shows nowadays especially sci-fi shows have fallen victim to there's got to be just so much crazy shit going on i got to get their attention and kind of just have a battle and it's like this knows how to do it without being repetitive is like every every and they all surprise you like you see everybody the way it's all staged and edited together you see them all get into position you know they're all doing individual things but you don't know what yet and i would be probably pounded to death and beaten up if i didn't mention uh marcus who's basically lancelot type uh, <laughs> space ranger yeah yeah, he's a space ranger, and rangers in this universe, you know, they work for, they're not part the of the side core, but yeah, they do work for the Earth, and they're basically, they're kind of, they're not, they kind of operate like mercs, like shoguns, you know, they just operate by whatever turf and go on their own individual missions, but they're also unofficial spies, so I guess if you had to compare it, they're basically NSA operatives. They go out of their way, that, except they actually do go out in public and become kind of part of the general populace. But they, you know, if they die, no one's going to be there for them. I mean, someone will honor them, but uh, they pretty much if you die, there's been, I'm sure there's been plenty of Rangers who didn't get a funeral. <laughs> Just, yeah, I was yeah, I was surprised when we were discussing every episode how many times someone would say, oh, there was a ranger standing in the background of this scene or walking by like, oh, I never even noticed. They just kind of oh, blend man. in with everything else. What uh, Were they at the bars? I, I, I yeah, mean, the Zocalo. Yeah, they were usually in, I think they were usually in there. Man. Yeah, that does make better sense because there are a lot of guys with you wanted, yeah, they pretty much go by a bunch of other aliens who, some of who later become like the Drac. I never would have added up. Oh, those are the same guys who were going to later try nuking us with poison gas and <laughs> the called arms movie and crusade. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you definitely get a bunch of other aliens. And uh, I think it's definitely more interesting because uh, for better or worse, you, you are, 
just very heavily involved in you know where everything is so a lot of stuff is more entertaining but since unlike most shows instead of just prior knowledge there's enough different standalone crimes intertwined with two other main storylines going each episode and much like season three it definitely does have a lot of more just foul play by big eds against other aliens here and other uh, just stuff that doesn't become even better known until the final season so yeah, I, I think it really does follow strong. I can see why some people end here because if you want to, you could technically end here. Uh, yeah, it, I didn't notice it until the last rewatch. They it really does move very quickly through storylines. Not last season of Game of Thrones fast, but yeah, <laughs> it's like just pretty, in case. Yeah, they didn't was, risk I think they actually, yeah, just in case we don't come back. I don't think they knew for sure, but they kind of had a feeling they might get canceled. So they kind of, even though it was a five year arc, like you say, it's just, I wish so many people would do like this, especially the Sean Ryan of the shield approach. Just each season is its own, you know, two day movie, you know, it's just, you can binge watch it, even though a lot of people were marathoning before that was such a thing. But it's very possible to do it because it's it's so easy to get into and it's it's all very well laid out. They were not making this up as they went along. It's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is a shame. I wish he could have completed the series like he originally intended. Um so I think season five suffers a little bit because the storylines were wrapped up a little sooner than he originally wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. Getting into season five. Babylon five ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to protect him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. Watch the world premiere tomorrow night at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, exclusively on TNT. Because get it? Babylon 5, season 5. Uh... <laughs> With season five, you got a new captain. Sheridan is now the president, has won the battle, has married Delenn. She's not just the president of Earth, he's the president of the galaxy, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Suck at Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> he has conquered the shadows, he has conquered all the evil agents on Earth, he has helped Mars reform a lot of its people, so he's the savior of the galaxy. All the aliens are kind of going about actually feeling welcome at the station as opposed to, you know, this is a very heavily guarded exchange place. And so now, yeah, you got a captain who was totally against him, but who, guess what? They used to be married as well. <laughs> you don't really realize it until midway through the season because, you know, you just look at the body language in the room is like, is there something else going on here? And they did pretty good at doing it because you never would have thought they were X-Flames. You just thought it was more just... I've heard about you, sport. You're not on my side, technically, but since you appointed me, I'll, I'll take the job. <laughs> so, yeah, season three and four had so many other guest stars, especially people who went on to be bigger character actors or lead stars of TV, you know, be all the various other members of the fleet. And to see her, you know, she was a member of the fleet, top of her class, draws the line between tomboy and stone cold bitch, kind of, you know, in a way. But she does it in a way where it's like, 
who is this gal? Captain Lockley is played by Tracy Scoggins of Lewis and Clark, Highlander, and various other sci-fi adventure shows fames. She's guest starred on a bunch of other stuff, including a DS9 episode in Heavy Makeup. And uh, been in the Full Moon Entertainment uh, Demonic Toys <laughs> movies. So she's B-movie if there's ever was one. She's still... I don't know how she stays so in shape. Oh, yes, I do. She did apparently a bunch of workout stuff and modeling back in the day. So oh. she's a Texan and <laughs> being a fellow Texan, uh, it's cool seeing her on this show. Back in the day, uh, Jerry Doyle, who plays Jerry Baldy, would joke that he, Scoggins and Box Lettner were like free Republicans on a mostly liberal show. It's like, Jesus, <laughs> you guys got to make this so political. It is definitely a rarity. Fortunately, I don't think that isn't really the case as to why this show isn't as popular. It's just because the studio didn't really care for it as much as the audience did. And yeah, at no point does anyone do anything controversial or it's like, oh, I can't show the kids this. And uh, season five is definitely like parts of three and four a little more mature. But I think the beauty of this show is it always was you know, PG, borderline PG-13 in certain episodes. Definitely more grimmer than Star Trek. If you were caught watching it, you weren't going to be in trouble, but it was occasionally it's like, yeah, you might want to wait till you're at least, you know, above the age of 10, maybe 12, 13 or 14 to really watch this, you know, because yeah, yeah, there were some, yeah, some of the psychics, um, telepath scenes were a little out there weren't they <laughs> a little out there and there is some occasional blood when people get beat up or killed don't get me wrong it's never to the point like a typical crime show is like oh i saw a body but it is kind of like uh for lack of a better comparison a shows around the same time like uh the pretender or profiler which coincidentally are both in the same universe but uh not of this show but uh those shows uh where they would show something sexy but you know they'd cut away and just show them in bed the next day and then you know same here where it's like there's some violence you see some blood it's not graphic but you still you know you don't really want kids watching all this semi you know plausible blood makeup on the person even though it's just a bruise you know it's just a little slightly intense you know but not to the point where it's like okay this is just so morally violent that you know i cannot show you this until you're 16 um <laughs> I'm glad I didn't watch this till I'm, in, I'm an adult because there are some moments like I would be so embarrassed to I wouldn't have been as I would have just been too distracted by the intensity as opposed to getting all the story is there is a lot of just and I think that's what's cool about it is those who did have an open mind really got into it and got it and others who you know kind of were just blinded by it really only got the whole story until years later but uh, this is definitely a show so many politics and other uh imagery would have gone over my head i would have just been more taken aback by how suspenseful it was you know <laughs> yeah beautiful looking but uh yeah so interesting how a lot of the stuff in this show applies to current day <laughs> politics yeah, yeah. yeah and how sad that you have to do it in a sci-fi fantasy fashion in order to get people to pay attention to it. And I mean, there's plenty of nightmarish dream scenes in a way. And they fortunately do it enough in a way where it's like, it's not spooky, creepy, but it is like, okay, it's still kind of X-Files weird. <laughs> what just happened? Oh, well, fortunately, most of us are mature enough mind. We understand what's going on. Yeah. So season five is a full blown order. And it, I can see why everyone kind of varies on this. For me, I find 
the later part of season five way more intriguing than the initial stages. The initial stages get yeah. way too comfortable. And that says a lot because it picks up right from season four and you have a pretty explosive, no p- pun intended, you know, Gerobaldi saving uh, Sheridan from getting assassinated at his own wedding. That's that's how you start a season, baby. <laughs> and, oh, just, <laughs> and, and just how seeing how uh, Londo and Jakar are both running the, from the mob of various people, you know, at the wedding are like, we got to get out of here. This place is crazy. It's just the way they're running in its stage is very both awesome and just very well shot <laughs> just how they're tracking down uh you know using ca- the camera work that's done to show the whole thing and uh, i will say some of the makeup i never have an issue with it but some of it did seem kind of like last minute like every some of the actors faces didn't exactly fit the molds even though they've reused it only so many times but it's kind of interesting how they have way more court type discussions you know sheridan is just i can't he hits the gavel more than usual this time <laughs> And in this case, it's often given to Lockley, so she has to do it because you know, and get past the you know prejudice of being a woman and a, and someone in command, you know, a new person. So that's kind of interesting. But like you say, there's some other stuff. Um, I will say, Lita gets romantic with this guy, who's popular for many fans to hate, and I I didn't have an issue with him, but I can understand. Yeah, I'm one of those people that didn't Sorry. like him, but I, I didn't it's like the whole. That whole storyline with him, even the actor he's done, he does a lot of voice work, so he's in a lot of the video games that I play. Yeah, but... Robert Atkin Downs is his name, and yeah. he plays Jared. It's not Jared, it's uh, Byron. Byron, yeah, he looks. He, I always, I joked a few different times that he looks like Julian Sands, the actor who played the warlock, <laughs> and yeah. like you say. I, he's kind of a symbol of peace. I guess I like what he represents, but like you say, he's not interesting by himself as a person. He doesn't really stand out, but at the same time, he doesn't really, I don't know. He didn't affect me. I was just more distracted by Lita kind of having to fend for herself again, feeling underappreciated. And there's sex scene where he's like, that that's very cringeworthy. <laughs> because you yeah, got agreed. Is like it wasn't gonna date well, and it's like just the certain CGI there is like what the hell? Okay, if you weren't already invested, you would kind of they, they should have definitely refilmed that or just not shown at all. <laughs> and this is where it's a little cringeworthy. It's done in a way where it's not you know boom ba ba boom, but it is kind of yeah. I'm pretty sure a few kids had to cover up their eyes if parents were watching it with them. Because <laughs> so, it's not like Star Trek where you know what's going on, but it's not. It's both cute and, you know, doesn't show anything explicit. And same thing here. Well, semi same thing here, but it's a little deeper. Where it's like, yeah, well, still a little adult material. I'm not sure I want to explain this to a kid right now. I don't have kids, but if I ever introduce people to this, it's like, yeah, I'm going to wait till everyone's a little older because there's just some stuff you're just not going to understand. I like the last portion of the season better than the first part because the first part is kind of tragic, but luckily isn't fully developed and is kind of being such a hard ass on everybody. Tough love. going to shoot you on sight. And in some cases it's understandable. And other times it's like, yeah, don't be like the Nazi psych horse. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's got to suck when you come into a well-established show just for the final season and don't get a chance to be as well-developed. I think, um, like on DS nine, when they brought in Ezri Dax, you didn't really get a chance to, 
be as well developed as yeah. Jetsia had. And, and she was I'm sorry. And she was kind of replacing Ivanova, which was such a well loved character. That's very true. And what's weird is it got luckily, yeah, is kind of replacing Ivanova, but after a while, I mean there's some times where I've seen some people even get them mixed up. Because yeah, they you know, they don't really explain Ivanova and it's like, oh, I mean, they do, but it's just so brief. You jump right into it that you forget that she's been missing the the last few episodes, and then you realize, oh, yeah, she's not in this season at all. <laughs> yeah. They have some good guest stars, I got to say, especially the Pin and Teller as the comedians of the night. Yeah, that was a good one. I do have to say, I don't understand the ending to that episode. It's like they ended very mysteriously there's a running gag and then you're like yeah it's then he makes a joke about the soup i don't understand that at all dude can you shed some light on that i don't remember the ending of what happened it's like they he says some other kind of prophetic uh moment and i I have looked through so many other guides i can't find any ruling on it what the hell happened in that episode i like it i just i don't understand the ending (laughs) i have to watch that one again too it's all good yeah there's some butter guest stars. This is around the time where near the end, they start unleashing the movies. We'll get to this at the end of the episode guys for, cause otherwise it's going to be a clusterfuck. Just <laughs> breaking it all down. I think it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that, um, I mean, I, I don't know, but I wonder if, if this yeah, is where, I, J, this is where JMS actually started letting other people write episodes again. So I wonder if it had something to do with the fact that, you know, he had to come up with new uh, material, a new direction for season five a little bit. Since yeah, they... Neil Gaiman uh, writes a few episodes of uh, American Gods fame. And yeah. uh, this is interesting because uh, uh, JMS, who was the consultant on this, uh, he was known for being a cynic and philosopher. Oh, Harlan Ellison? Yes, yeah. that's who it is. Yeah, Harlan Ellison was this consultant. I think he wrote a few episodes, maybe even directed one. It's definitely interesting here because, yeah, midway for season four, forgot to mention, they airing a bunch of episodes and that's when it made the move to TNT. And with five, it's interesting because, yeah, it's just like it's getting all settled down and it's it's just laid back. It's just but at the same time, just kind of coasting a bit and then picking up on occasion and then really picking up on the very end because you know this is all out this is the end end of the story and uh if it didn't have the uplifting moment i would have just considered as lukewarm laid-back entertainment as opposed to anything germane but like i say i mean i don't hate it as much as other people do i i i kind of just but I will say it does kind of go back to season one moments of just like, yeah, I think we're better than this, guys. We don't need to be spending this much time. Yeah, it's definitely one of I put it maybe a little bit ahead of season one, but yeah, maybe not uh, much. I'm I'm with that. I mean, I definitely enjoy way more like some of the battles and the other unknown forces. But like you say, just the first part of the season just feels like a extended episode that went like five episodes way too long it, it can't outdo season four but i definitely like it better than say some sequels that try to outdo the best sequel in a so-called franchise is like it, it, just the emotional stuff in the very end where they're showing sheridan as time goes on years later and this is where it gets very personal and just shows like this this is why it's become 
deeper with every kind of audience. It's just people have been able to stream it before it was a thing and marathon it. Uh, I know a lot of people online who watch it once a year, which is so wild. It's like, it is a pretty long show. It's worth it. But it is one of those, like, you got to be able to sit down and watch it each week to get the most out of it. And so uh, this is where it just shows how he... Sheridan's not only become a prophet, but also just a reflection on what a man has done with his life. Quite the journey. It's interesting how Lockley, much like Ivanova, is also in a bisexual relationship and has had a tragic past and had to become the bigger gal, so to speak. Just say, okay, you are passing the torch on to me. I do have to make this station be great. And it's like it's in operation for like a few more months and then they're finally closing it down because there's just no need for it. It's just been a site of trouble for way too long and so that that's definitely an interesting reflection final episode i know jms says it makes him cry that sounds a little ego-headed to me would you say the final episode really does is worth watching if you even for those who didn't like the initial part of the season they should at least watch that episode (laughs) or yeah it could be well one a little behind the scenes it was actually filmed at the end of season four when they thought they were being canceled so you can pretty much skip season five and I guess if you really want to, I'm a completist, so I don't watch it anyway, but yeah, you can watch the finale and um, <laughs> still be fine. And I think it does get you in the field. There's a scene that I pull up on YouTube sometimes, partly because of the music is so good, but it's when the station is, you know, when, you know, Sheridan visits the station one last time. Yeah. And then you see all the ships taking off the different alien ships leaving. And then, you know, apparently (laughs) everyone does it all at the same time because that happens in real life, even in sci-fi. But don't don't. (laughs) not one person who's like, wait, wait, I forgot someone. (laughs) My luggage. We'll return after these messages. Hello and welcome to Culture Shocked, the pop culture podcast brought to you by four aging millennials and our outdated opinions. Join us every Tuesday as we discuss movies, TV, games, and even music, new and old. Dude, what do you think you're doing? Are you seriously trying to record a promo without us right now? Well, uh, yeah. Dude, you can't just do the promo by yourself. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah, and you probably haven't even told them that we're a pop culture podcast where we always agree on everything. Uh, for instance, the Sam Raimi trilogy easily being the best of the Spider-Man movies. J- no, no. But I think we can all agree that Jaws is a classical masterpiece. Mm, nope, don't like that. But we do all agree that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is the best in the Skywalker saga, right, guys? That comment is so ridiculous. I don't even know where to Anyways, be- uh, that'll do it from all of us here at Culture Shock. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world 
and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always, am I the winner? Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like Robocop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up.